Well, I, I almost jettisoned our message for tonight, but since I only get every other Wednesday night to, to preach, and we're just a few, I said tonight to someone I was wrong. Actually, I was thinking the next time is pride, which I'm ending on. Tonight is actually on gluttony, the one I've been fearing. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to preach on virtuous characters. It's even easier to preach on virtuous characters that you have mastered. So if it's low on your list, uh, this is a difficult one for me. So I'm gonna, I brought my coffee up here. I will probably take a sip once in a while. A little shot of caffeine to get me through this. All right. Well, the seven deadly sins, age-old list of uh, anger, wrath, sloth, slothfulness, laziness, um, greed, gluttony, lust. We've covered all those, but uh, gluttony and pride. So pride will be the next time I preach. Nathan, who's up next Wednesday night? Nathan's up next Wednesday night. So um, come. and Aren't we blessed to have so many uh, people called to preach? And I'm, I'm excited. You know, that's the, the God's timing in this, that's just going to be awesome to go in that new building because it, it's going to require more people hands-on. And uh, I've been getting some great advice from some pastors. You know, Gary Wheat that presented us with a $5,000 check in our service one Wednesday night, brought his church board members. Um, they, they are doing exactly, they did exactly what we're doing, pulling back to one service for a time. But just like I told him, I said, I feel like we should do it for a time. He said, I felt the same thing. That's how we communicate it, and it's, it's working really well because we're going to have a bunch more seats, and we're going to combine our service. We're going to have some new people, and it would be a great time to kind of pull together and get reacquainted with people from different uh, services. Uh, it will give our workers, our volunteers, time in the mornings together. We'll have a short service for them to be ministered to in the morning, and it's really going to pull, pull everything together, I, I feel like. But just keep in mind, um, I know in my heart and believe for growth, and so that's only for a time. We're going to go to one service. So I know the worship team, everybody that's tired and would like to just pull back, but it's, I don't know how long that is, but it's just for a time. I'm going to stress that a lot. It's just for a time. But we're going to go to one service, and it's probably going to be, we're looking at probably 10 or 10, 15 a.m., so that means we'll be getting out like at 1130, unless you're in the altars calling out to God and bringing down the walls. That's, But it'll be about that time. But I, I've I put off long enough talking about this, so we have to go back to gluttony. Every sin on this list we've talked about brings disorder and confusion and chaos into our lives. And it denies the limits of proper things. I've, I've given the same intro every time so that you'll capture this because pride denies the limit of authority. Envy denies the limit of what is appropriately mine. Wrath denies the limits of appropriate response. Slothfulness denies the limits of diligence and faithfulness. And slothfulness, when we're in a season like this, on this project can drive the leader crazy. I have to be careful not to try to work people to death because I get out there and like, we've got to get a thousand things done today. And then I walk around after we have a few visit times, you know, and I'm like, well, we're not getting a thousand things done today, so I'm just going to go get me a water with a fruit punch flavor packet. But all of these, depending on what you're, you nitpick, but they all bring disorder and confusion and chaos at different levels depending on what is your vice um lust denies the limit of relationship but gluttony denies the limits of consumption they ruin hope despair is always the issue listen it really does because you know if i overeat i'm up through the night because of heartburn and other things and it 
it puts a, a strain on the next day. So my, my bad choice, my, my sin in eating more than was needed to keep my body functioning, getting too much pleasure from my food to the point of gluttony uh, really does cause a problem. And our lives are not meant to be lived under the domination of these sins. God did not design us to, to live in that kind of excess. And when these sins have dominion over us, eternal hope in God begins to fade. We find despair ruling our lives. Anyone who has struggled with weight because of eating. Now there's thyroid problems. There's other things that contribute to weight factors. There's <laughs> genetics we'd all like to blame them on. I just think someone in our family was gluttonous way back in the day, and they ate too much, and it changed the genes. <laughs> Made it harder. Because I know some people, they could eat all day long, and they never gain weight, right? But I believe this is one of the least preached on topics, especially in our country and in the Chinese buffet uh, land that we live in. Have you ever heard a sermon on gluttony? Maybe you have, but show of hands. Anybody heard a sermon on gluttony? A whole sermon? Or just tossed in? Has anybody heard a sermon where gluttony was included with other? Maybe Okay, a few, but see, it's just not preached on a lot. This is a sermon that can spawn jokes. When we go back to having fellowship dinners, if we were recording these and offering these on CDs, I guarantee you one of you would probably slide a CD. You'd buy one just so you could slide across the table to me at the next fellowship dinner when I got three hamburgers on my plates. On my plates. <laughs> that wasn't even that funny, but I'm laughing. Robin, stop it. <laughs> Seriously, this is going to be the hardest sermon to get through of all of them. All right. Well, these sins are deadly to the soul and the body. They are. There's, there's, there is much more to sin of gluttony than just being overweight. And we've talked about the fact that, you know, even with like drug addiction or anything else, it, it's not the issue. It's the medication for the issue that's not being tended to. Right. So gluttony is we're not dealing with our emotions and our relationships. Right. And so we run to something to fill that and food and gluttony. It's the easiest to medicate with because. Well, I'm just going to tell you, we went to Sister Nancy's house on Sunday. And I'm going to have to be careful because I'll end up crying about this. But I walked in now. See, I'm not hinting to anybody to do this. OK, just the whole aspect. She's she's getting removed to South Carolina. She said, I want to have you guys over. We ha we've been wanting to get together, and we haven't done it, so come over. We come into her beautiful, well-decorated, comfy home, and she has got her mom's china out and real silverware. She's not here to defend herself tonight. I'm just going to tell her. Real silverware. Silver silverware. I'm looking at that. like, you just, no, I don't, we don't own that. We couldn't do that for you if we wanted to. We don't own anything like that. But, but it was the care and everything, and this big spread, and it was like she had invited royalty over i mean she just brought food and she would not hardly sit she waited on us and she's got that hip problem and the more she served us the more it just broke <laughs> it was breaking me and she would if your plate was starting to get empty she's you know here's some more and you know it was a beautiful thing and i did overeat but but i find that you know we often we often look to food uh more than a way to serve someone, more than a way, but 
sometimes families get together, they eat to get off the topic of what they really should talk about, right? Right. She blessed us with doing our love, but the many times when we put a spread on like that home, it's just, let's see how much I can cram in, right? Just for fun. No special occasion. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11, here is the point of bringing the scripture. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This tells us that eating is not the problem. God would not commend something that is a sin. Mark 14, 22, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now, some men are going to use that to say it's a woman's fault. It's a woman's fault. Responsibility always falls on the leader and God's made the man the head of the household. So it's Adam's fault. We, we, we often can miscommunicate with food. God, even at the Last Supper, Jesus spent with his disciples sharing and breaking bread. And I'm sure it was not a meager meal. I'm sure it was a celebration of he was trying to project that something great's going to happen. And, and when Nancy blessed us, and um, Mitch and Gina have been making wonderful meals for us and just really uh, blessed us with some great meals, come home late from work from the project and we eat well. But what God's trying to project here is that food is meant to be shared and we're meant to celebrate with food that's fine it's not just to eat to keep alive but but the problem is is when it begins to be a replacement for dealing with issues in your life when it begins to be something that is more than more than food it's it's your friend i remember i used to look forward to coming home from school when i was in grade school to a plate of nachos but that government cheese, you could slice as much as you want off because the block is like that big, right? I don't know if it's government cheese. I've just said that all my life, <laughs> whatever it was. But it was a big old block of cheese, and I had a jar of jalapenos like this big, and I'd melt that cheese on there, put that. And that was my celebration at the end of getting out of school that I hated. I was come home, watch TV, and eat that. Wouldn't be bad, but what I started to do in my life is now food became, every time I celebrate, I celebrate food. And to this day, when I went to the VA and I did the treadmill test and they told me I beat some 19-year-old, almost beating. To me, I beat him. He's 30 seconds ahead of me and I, I'm more than twice his age, so I beat him. But, uh, you know, the first reaction out of my mouth is when we got out of there and they had told me that, this kid that came from Afghanistan, several tours and 19 years old and he only got me by 30 seconds on that thing. You know, the longer you go to get your heart rate up, you win. That's how I look at it. 
I was like, we're going to eat. We went and ate big at Chili's. I celebrated. And that's been, that's been a, a vice for me because I don't carry weight as well as some people do. I can be 20 pounds overweight and it'll slow me down significantly. Some people can be twice my weight and not work me. I don't know how that works, but it, it happens. And, and it seriously uh, debilitates my ability to be productive. Here are two passages in which Jesus and the devil both encourage eating as a spiritual action for spiritual results. One positive and one negative, which I think speaks to the neutral nature of food. It it is a tool to be used well or badly. It is in the same line of what I said about the perfect gifts that God gives you. Uh, Belinda can play trumpet. She can play guitar. She was teaching two tuba players today in this building. Can you imagine two tubas going off in this small... One at a time. Not, not if I was there. <laughs> but, but we have these talents. But if Belinda went out and started playing that rock and roll music, right, and started living like the devil and using God's talent that he meant to glorify him, you know, things come apart in their lives. And we see that, like I've mentioned, with rock stars and movie stars and others. Those are the easiest ones for us to see because they're out there. But... But the truth is, is God's given us food as a gift. He could have designed us where we lived off of air alone. He could have. He could have made us to to survive off of anything. But he chose for us to be able to eat and enjoy food. The problem is, is when it becomes a vice to us, we, we begin to use it to fulfill our lives. So, I'd like to look at various sections of Scripture that speak to the issue at hand. There, there are many, but I've selected only a few. One is Proverbs 23, verses 20 and 21, which says, Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor, and, drow- uh, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Glutton, drunkenness, poverty, rags, and drowsiness all cluster together in that scripture. And then we look at Proverbs chapter 25, verse 16. It says, if you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it, and you will vomit. I just got my boy's attention just now in the service because I said vomit. First Peter 4.3 for you have spent enough time in the past. By the way, they'll tell me it was a good sermon just because I included vomit. They will after, I know. First Peter 4.3, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Do any of your biblical translations, if you're looking at your Bible app or your Bible, do any of your biblical translations have different words instead of orgies or carousing? Anybody have anything different? Feasting and drunkenness? Terrible worship of idols. There might be some that have banquetings, drinking parties. See, in modern society, the word orgy brings on a whole different kind of context and we think of just in a sexual nature. But in Roman and Greek societies, uh, the sexual um, misconduct, was sin was secondary. It was actually the food and the booze that was the primary that when they referred to orgy, that they were talking about gorging themselves on, on these things. They had things called vomitoriums. 
Yeah. <laughs> These were like bathrooms. You know where this is going. They were like bathrooms, but people would engorge themselves with feasting, then go into the vomitorium and discharge their food, dispatch it, that they w- and then they go back and eat more. This is not like bulimics for the, for the purpose wasn't the avoidance of weight gain. In truth, being a pig and fat meant you were rich and powerful. It's like when I went to Honduras. I went there for an internship for three months, living there with a missionary and worked with Latin American child care schools. And the first time they introduced this lady pastor, they had a lady pastor, she got up and said, they introduced her as Sister Gordita, which is like Sister Fat Lady. Now, in the United States, if you got introduced as Sister Fat Lady... Some would leave the platform crying. Some would resign, whatever. That was a compliment. That meant she was doing good. She was eating good. Sister Fat Lady. Sister Gordita. But no, the vomitorium was so that a person could eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and continue the pleasure of eating to the point of being nauseous and vomiting. Now, I remember years ago, um, anybody ever remember, I don't know if they still do it, when, um, control yourself, <laughs> when, when um, Waffle House, Awful Waffle, when they used to have the all-you-could-eat, I had Uncle Gary that one time, our whole family was there, I don't know how we got my family to go to Awful Waffle, but we went, and you could see the prices of all the things you could order off, you could order a lot of things off that all-you-could-eat. So you can see the prices of individually what you'd pay if you weren't doing the eleven ninety nine whatever all you can eat or whatever it was ten ninety nine, and so I challenged my uncle. I said, uh, I said, you want to see who can eat the most value, dollar value of food, on that, and he took me on. And I'm telling you, I thought I was going to literally bust my gut, like it was good, and I was pushing, pushing, and I thought several times you're going to throw up, and I think I ended up eating like forty or fifty dollars worth of food. And back then, Alpha Waffle, I mean, had a dollar, a pancake or whatever it was. That was a lot of food. But, but you know, it was, we did it as a game. We laugh and everything. But truthfully, you know, if that was somebody's way of living to eat like that, it's sin. It's, it's gluttony. So this is what Peter is preaching against, the waste and self-indulgence. Everyone eats and drinks to live. Some eat to live. Others live to eat. You know, I'm really fascinated by the survival shows. Uh, we recently are trying out this direct TV and probably not going to keep it. Uh, we don't like Netflix either. It's just there's too much junk. But I do enjoy, there's one called Alone. Yes. I got an amen. <laughs> Don, that's the first time in a long time you've raised your hand and said yes or amen to my sermon. I just had to bring up the right show. <laughs> she's keeping an eye on all of y'all for me. She used to sit up here, and that's why she sits in the back now. She's making sure you're engaged. All right, so uh, alone is not like your Bear grills. not professionals. People have been highly trained in survival. They're kind of n- novice, or at least they've been doing it on their own. They're not super well-known people. They just put them out there like three months, I think, 90 days. Last one I watched, they were in, um, in Bulgaria, no, Mongolia, in Mongolia, out in the woods surviving there for 90 days. So they have to go to their food and all that. But, you know, it's really amazing when you watch that about the little amount of nutrients that they are having to get to just keep on enough weight to be healthy. And, and it, it really is evidence to me when I think about what they're doing. I mean, this one, this guy, he put out a thing to catch fish and he ended up catching a bunch of leeches. He, now it's going to get real gross. 
It, was a, it has a mouse. He used a mouse for bait, and the leech is attached to it. And so he hasn't had any protein, so he cooked that up. And they put the little words on the screen, the, like information, like, oh, uncooked leeches can give you all kinds of stuff, you know, whatever, parasites. So he cooks them, and he eats them, and he's just like, gross, gross, and the reaction you expect. But, but he had not eaten for days, and he got enough nutrients from these leeches to make a few more days, and some of them they would catch a grouse or, you know, they catch a few fish. But somehow in my mind, I get up in the morning, I'm thinking, you know, if, if we weren't in the project and this kind of schedule, I'd get up and like, well, I can go to McDonald's. I could eat at least three breakfast burritos or only a buck and maybe a soda, right? And then you go to Taco Bell later and like, well, I could eat six soft-shell tacos. That's only like, you know, if I'm spending under $7 on a lunch or whatever, I'm thinking, okay. And before you know it, and there's been a few times when, like, I could do the 12 tacos or whatever it is in the box and probably eat all but two of them. And, and, and I don't know what's going on in my mind when I do that. But the truth of the matter is, I, if I really thought about it, we, I knew we'd laugh a lot about this. Now, if we were talking drug addiction or something like that, excess, it's not funny, right? But, but the truth is, is it's, it's harming my body. It, it's also not good budget-wise for us. In no way is overeating beneficial and and that's the key of where we find the goodness of god and his best for our lives is when we keep striving to find that sweet spot of not living in the excess but living in what he basically what is required to fulfill what he's called us to do and anything else <clears throat> you do with your body or your mind is slowing you down from accomplishing his best and and like we said in the beginning, on these seven deadly sins, if it comes to the point of gluttony, you're not just slowing yourself down, not accomplishing the best. They're deadly. Not just the health risks that come, but I mean, I mean, it's, it's deadly to your spiritual, your spiritual well-being. And listen, it is the one I struggle with. It is the one I struggle with. You know, I, I may not be 500 pounds up here, but truth be known, if I, if I stop being as active as I did and eat like I do, I would be very quickly. So it is wrong and something that God convicts me of and I, I want to work at. But, but we do have to be careful as a church when we put our kitchen up front because one thing I want to do is when we have new people walking at church, I want to smell fresh baked muffins. You know, I've talked to Ken's girls about, hey, if I bought smocks with your name on it, New Song Colors, you had a little patch, you put your name, would you want to be in there on Sunday mornings early and bake up something? And especially new visitors and other people we'd serve them. And that's great because, listen, we know the way to people's hearts really sometimes through their stomachs. We just have to be careful we don't create a culture where we are living in excess in areas against what Scripture teaches us and patting it on the back and saying it's okay. I know at one time, and listen, you guys, it's, it's almost like we're just talking about diets here, but we're really talking about God's Word. And one time in kids' church, someone brought attention and said, you know, we have all these snacks like candy and stuff like this, and we're giving these kids things, and then they try to go eat lunch with their parents, and their lunch is ruined, and parents are wasting money on their lunch at the restaurant. And, and uh, so we said, hey, we ought to do something different, and from time to time we will, and we'll go back to the, the bad snacks. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that we need to lead. We need to lead by example. And that's where it gets difficult, because many of us grew up in a culture in our family where you celebrate with food. And I did. I went to my sister's house recently for her birthday. And her husband's from India. And I mean, he cooks. There's a dish called biryani, if you've ever had that. It's rice with meat. It's just, oh, it's amazing. And then butter chicken. Anybody that didn't eat dinner before church, I'm sorry. You messed up. But um, <coughs> it's so good. And, and one plate of that is filling enough. 
But it's the fact that it's so rare that we get that because it's a big process for him to make it. It's expensive food to make in this in this country with that, you know. And so when he makes it, I'm like, well, I missed out on the last one. I'm, I'm telling you honestly, and as funny as this is, I remember distinctly what went through my mind when I went for seconds. That's how much I'm paying attention to what to what's going on in my head. I thought to myself, last time the family got together and had this, I didn't get any because I had something else going on. And I'm here now, and there's a plenty for everybody to have, like, fifths if they wanted. And so I'm going to get me seconds. And I was miserable after. Oh, that's okay. I got, I got my fill. And we celebrate that. But you see what I'm saying is if I think, what would Jesus do? If we went back to wearing the bracelets, right? <laughs> Reminder, what would Jesus do? The truth of the matter is, my mind went lethargic. I wanted my nap. And we still had to go get snacks for youth and stop by and check in. And I went home to rest, probably because I wasn't just that tired if I hadn't overeaten. It does. So we, we think about it, and there's many things God may be moving us to do, but we are, we are self-medicating with things to get our minds off of the stresses of life, the demands we have, and we cut ourselves slack and say, well, listen, I don't get together family enough, so I'm just going to overeat. But the overeating doesn't add anything to it. It's getting quiet in here. It's getting quiet. Okay. Oh, okay. That's good. That's a good comment. There is an unfairness in the sin of gluttony. This is the only sin in which there is a physical manifestation. There are people who have known that you, they are doing drugs, uh, harmful drugs, and you wouldn't know it unless they do it long enough that it affects their appearance, but you wouldn't know it. But is it does take long in gluttony for people to know. And, and so what if a person who indulges in lust of the eyes eventually would cause his eyes to bug out and and his eyes would start drooping out of his eye sockets. We'd be like, that guy has a real bad problem with gluttony. It's like Pinocchio, right? We know when Pinocchio lies, nose gets bigger. But what if there was some other physical manifestation, some of the other deadly sins? We know what his problem is. He's got a bad lust problem because his eyes are bulging out. Or those who have lustful thoughts which cause their brains to bulge out at weird angles. We might just be impressed by that. He's got a big brain. Look how big it's sticking out. Or, or thieves whose fingers grow out like E.T. and betray them. If you got sticky fingers in the grocery store, and then all of a sudden you're coming up and you got these fingers like this long, be like, mm-hmm, let me see your pockets. Empty your pockets, right? It's like the modern parable of the little wooden boy whose nose grew. Pinocchio, I already gave that example, but we, we do see some physical results from sin. Meth, as many guys as I have talked to and dealt with people with meth, you know, eventually meth will change physical appearance. I've given the example of the young, the young couple that came for a while. Jen was a, um, uh, Ray, Reagan, and I'm, I'm losing their names. It's been a while. But this couple had an amazing story where they were so hooked on meth, they were I- each under 100 pounds each. They said that literally people say that their breath smelled like death. They were living in a double tent with newspapers stuffed around the, the first tent in between for insulation, living in the yard of uh, some relatives that wouldn't let them in the house during winter and everything to survive. And they went to this little, they decided to finally go to church. They went to this little country church, and there wasn't much going on there. But the more that they started going to church, the more they started seeing these shadow people. They said there were people that would speak, and they could understand what they are saying, but it wasn't English. But they'd see these. And I've heard this common uh, with his drug about seeing shadow people. 
And they said that um, finally they were allowed to go in the house where they're at some, and it was getting worse. They'd see these shadow people. Every time they go to church, they'd see them, and they'd be messing with them. And then when they wouldn't, they wouldn't see them. And they told the pastor about it, and the pastor said, that's it, you're not leaving there anymore. You're going to move in with me. And that pastor took them in and nursed them back to health, basically. Wouldn't let them out of the house because he knew he couldn't trust, trust them with the addiction they had, and nursed them back to health. And they said um, because they would think that bugs were calling skin, the lady in particular had picked till her skin until she had scars all over her face. Just really bad, pop marks and scars. And they came in. This church was not a spirit-filled church. They didn't believe in being saved in the Spirit. They didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking tongues. But they came to an altar to be prayed for, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of them, slain them in the Spirit, began speaking tongues. And right before those people's eyes saw her skin go back to beautiful skin. Complete miracle, they said. Talking about revival breaking out in that little church. So, you know, listen, there are other sins of indulgence where there is some physical appearance of that. And, and listen, I have to bring up too, there are some things to do with genetics and with um, thyroid and things that cause it to be very hard. Some people could eat the same as someone else and they, they gain more. That's a difficulty. And, and, but here's the thing that I worry about most because a lot of us, it's, this is a hard one. In our culture, it's a hard one. And I have dealt with uh, weight issues myself. Is I more worry about how we feel inside when we're trying so hard to kick this addiction, right? And it overshadows many things what we do. Maybe not everything. I, I, know, I know a lot of people that they, they seem happy and everything and everything's fine and they've dealt with it. They just realize this is a struggle for me and that's good. I think if you're going to struggle with it, you definitely don't need Satan bringing condemnation on you all the time. But Jesus has come to set us free of everything that would entangle us. And that's a key. It's not a matter of attaching guilt or condemnation to it. It's just saying the Holy Spirit is spurring us on to do everything we can to be free and for God to free us up to do what he wants us to do. For an overweight person, we think that the sin of gluttony is present. But I tell you, again, there are some people who are thin rails who live immersed in the sin of gluttony. And and I believe that there are those who are overweight who may enjoy visiting at the table with friends and that causes them to eat too much. And it's not about gluttony at all. Like I said, it comes back to, are we looking at that food as, as something more than what it should be? Are we looking at that time of, of dining as more than just fellowship, but more medicating something for us? That having been said, let's proceed. Gluttony is not about a higher need for food. Food is for the body and the body is for food. God made us to eat and made our bodies to digest food. There's nothing unclean uh, or inherit, inherently evil in eating. But it takes two main forms. The first is when a person eats and has little concern for taste, smell, or quality. Now, Jen, Jen does not like to go to Chinese buffets. She doesn't like to go to anywhere buffet. In fact, one time I made her the happiest I've ever made her about food is when I said, you know what, if it has big red letters and says buffet, we won't go. I didn't hold up to that. I broke that promise, but, you know, that's what she, that's what made her happy. She likes to try all kinds of different foods and go to little quaint places. And to me, I'm like, listen, they charge you $10 for this little hockey puck worth of food. Where's the rest of it? You know, quantity. It wasn't quality. 
Um, but when we focus on, uh, it's done a matter of taste, smell, quality, manners, pro- propriety. It's eating as a physical act becomes the center of the person's consciousness. We don't say grace over what we uh, <clears throat> eat. We say grace for what is received. It's not just saying grace over the food to bless it, to make it healthy. God, please make this cheeseburger into straight, clean protein. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wrap up and say this. It is one of the hardest things for us to talk about and probably why we don't hear sermons about it. it, it it's like, it's, it, to me, it's a close second to preaching on divorce in the church. Because of our culture and 50% of people being divorced, you can't almost get to that topic and talk biblically about it without people feeling condemnation and, and all kinds of things attached and hurt feelings. It's just, it's a difficult subject. And that's, that's one thing with gluttony. And, and at least the Lord has allowed me, since that's been a struggle for me, to be able to get up and say it, just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's a struggle. Um, but please don't misunderstand. When we get together in groups and we have a big feast and we, we eat, it's it's when it becomes something more than the food and when you have trouble in your life or you get depressed or you have worry when that is what you run to then you have to ask yourself lord help me to not need this for that help me to need you for that and it it makes it easier to celebrate with food for the right reasons amen all right well i want to i want to just take a moment at the end here and just take any prayer requests um, it doesn't have to be about gluttony, but uh, we'll take some prayer requests in the uh, last few moments we have. Um, if anyone has one, just raise your hand. Yes, Sister Pat. Okay. Pray for Sandy, yes. Uh, Brother Lefevre, I brought him up before. i got to visit him. He has for weeks and weeks. There's one time I had to cancel on him because I wasn't feeling good. But uh, every time, on Tuesday and Thursday is when he'd want us to visit. And every time he'll call right before and say, Brother, I'm sorry, I'm coughing so much and everything can be rescheduled. So it's been, I don't know, three weeks worth. And he tried to call me three times earlier right before service. I wasn't able to call him. But I just feel like we ought to pray for him. I don't know um, the fact that he called three times in a row. We just I'll find out after service, but pray for him. Anyone else? Uh, yes. 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 So Tiny Tim, they called him. I met him in jail when I went to visit, uh, and uh, and uh, a friend of Isaac's as well, and knows the knew the word, and just after him all the time is like, I told him one time I said I think you might have missed a call to preach, and anyway, but you know, there's uh, some addiction uh, issues, and yes, sweetheart, your friend Nikki. She doesn't have a mom. Okay, we're going to pray for her. Okay, pray for his papa. Pray for my dad, uh, for his pains and the, the treatment or the stuff he's going through. And uh, see, his um, surgery is scheduled for September. Yeah, so pray for that. Anyone else? Okay. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just pray for Sandy. Lord, we pray for healing in her body. We pray for Brother Lefevre. And Lord, that you would just bring healing to his body. And God, whatever uh, is going on right with him right now and with Sandy, we just pray right now you'd wrap their, your arms around them. Lord, we pray for uh, Lily's friend Nikki. God, that you would just uh, uh, 
draw her close to you, Lord, and let her know that you are the parent that we need and that, God, we uh, just uh, lean on you. And, God, I just pray for uh, uh, Tiny Tim's family, for Tim McCauley, Lord, that you'd just bring comfort to them. And, Lord, that maybe uh, through this, uh, this tragedy, Lord, that they would be able to, to, if they don't know you, find you, draw close to you. And, Lord, we pray for a dad that you'd just bring healing to his body, Lord, bring comfort, that, God, you would guide the doctors, lead them. And, Lord, we just pray right now for divine healing. Jesus, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, love you guys, and um, you can fellowship as long as you want, but, again, we're trying to break a little bit earlier than normal, especially with school back in so that if you need to go, you feel free to do so. Love you. God bless you, and see you soon.